Hey, remember us? It's the A to Z podcast. It's two guys built like Zion, back from their various uh, places, vacations, trips, and we're going to talk some football, some hoops, and some life. A to Z podcast.com, Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, at Dre Knott, at Akron Jackson, on most of your favorite social media platforms. Shouts, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to our friends at American Fireworks for helping to make this happen and to you guys for helping it grow. Um, this is our first podcast in about two weeks. Uh, Dre, I don't even know where you went. Where were you? I was in Jamaica. Let me get straight. Did you just start off saying two people that don't like Zion? <laughs> Built like Zion, I said. Oh, I was like, okay, I was about to say that. Built? Okay, yeah. All right, I just want to make sure that I was like, come on, you can't start the podcast with a lot. With a lot. Um, have we even talked this year? Is this, the first, this isn't the first yeah. year. Is it? Yeah, so we did. So um, Sunday, the date will be like the 25th, and that'll be two weeks since they hired Stefanski. Okay. And we did one, okay. at least one in the aftermath of the firings, but they hadn't hired a coach because you left about two days after. We just couldn't find the right time. And then right. um, you've been back, what? A full day. I've been back a few hours, basically. So yeah, I've barely been back a full day. It feels like it's a big difference being in eighty three, eighty five degrees and sun every day, and coming back to whatever the hell you guys call this rain, snow, sleet, bullshit. I guess it's January in Ohio. Um, yeah, so I went to Jamaica. It was uh, my wife and I's tenth year of marriage. Our obvious anniversary is in September. Um, but because in September I'll be busy working, we decided to go in January, and it was pretty fun. It was the first trip we made without our kids. Um, to all the assholes on Twitter that wanted to be detectives and figure out my schedule and how I deal with my killed children, go to hell and get a life. It, I, I um, saw that. It's really amazing. <laughs> it really I, – I, yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how that's your business. Like, I just – it's making social media – terrible like just comment on things you know about comment on things that with like things like that shut the fuck up it's none of your business what people are doing and how people raise their kids and how they go about it don't worry my kids won't be asking you for any money won't be asking you for anything anytime soon you jackasses um but it was pretty it was to, to be honest because my dad went for a couple of days with his my sisters were there a couple of friends came uh, it was a nice getaway it's not the one thing I figured out. Maybe it's because teams I love in the NFL never make the playoffs to make the Super Bowl. It's kind of cool to be completely out of the country. This is the second year in a row I've done it. Last year I was out of town uh, for the Super Bowl. I watched the Super Bowl and, uh, out of the country. This year I watched the AFC NFC playoff championship games um, out of the country. And I got to say, it's important as football is to me, and as important as football is to everybody else. It is kind of. Weird, cool, cool, weird to watch. Nobody really gives a shit about football. Does that make you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it's amazing. Like people, people are like really like you're gonna leave the beach and leave the pool to go watch football. And I'm like, well, yeah, why would why would not? And literally, my dad and I had like just it, it, we were like in sports bars with like six other people watching the game, seven other people watching the game, which was cool but weird. It's <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you got to go see that sun while you can. You got to do while you do. And, I mean, as you look at the calendar, today is January 23rd, I think. Um, you're going to Arizona in a month, right? Yep. I'm out in a month, exactly. 
So, um, unfortunately, since we've done the last podcast, all three teams in Cleveland have made news, and maybe not in the positive version. The Browns have hired a coach. Uh, We both missed the Cleveland Sports Awards, which is just soul-crushing. But some things have gone on, so where would you like to start? Uh, I can give a rat's ass. Um, Let's start. Yeah, go, you start, start with the Indians. Go ahead. Because I, I, I didn't plan on having this conversation, but I can. I'm, it's, I'm at the point in my life where um, I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, like, like the Dolans are the Dolans. They're never going to be completely loved or understood um, by most of Cleveland. That's fine. It is what it is. I, the, my, the weight of my words won't carry very much because a lot of people have their mind made up on what they think I feel and think of the Dolan family. Um, I guess that's partially true, but not all the way. Um, I don't get, I don't, I'm not paid by them. Uh, I know them pretty well. I know them away from being just owners. They're great people. Um, are they made to be owners of a baseball, of a, of a, of a sports franchise uh, in 2020, the way 2020 works. I think that's debatable. And I think it's a conversation that could be had. Um, I, you know, any of these families that get teams, I think a lot of these people that got teams 30, 40 years ago, um, it's much different than what's expected of you and what's expected of you to say. That's fair. Um, I don't like, I don't like the financial, the financial situation with the Indians is, is perplexing to anyone and everyone involved. Um, I don't know what's in their books and what's not in their books. As I just said, it's perplexing. Do I wish that, you know, they would they would spend the same amount of money that they spent three years ago, four years ago, two years ago? Absolutely. I would love for them to do that with their managers, with their players. I'm sure they all would. Um, they have their reasons why they aren't and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, but I'll say I can't get pissed about comments that are made one way or the other by, 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 by Larry Dolan. Um, I will say this, despite everyone wanting to tell them what they should do with their money, um, they're the best-run professional organization in in Northeast Ohio, for whatever that's worth. Well, yeah, that's a low Um, bar, but that's true. So It is a low bar, but but they're pretty high. Um, And it's going to take a long time for any other two organizations. Wholeheartedly, and I can say it, I've worked for all three or worked around all three. It's going to take a lot for the other three to get close. The Cavs aren't far away. The Browns are in another atmosphere um they've gone about hiring a ton of great people um and that's not just in the last 10 years you look around major league baseball in almost every um front office there is someone that was with the indians um someone that was with the indians at some point in time to learn their craft and if there's got to be something said for that doesn't mean they're perfect Uh, okay let me ask you this let me ask you this because i have currently about 450 problems um, 250 of them are, are hydration related, but the last thing in the world I care about is the Cleveland Indians in January specifically. Right? right. I don't care doing do, a podcast do. or not. That some people get enraged when I say that, but I'm here to tell you the truth. Right? I agree. No, I, I just I have, hardly agree with that. Yeah. Of. Well, I, so I guess you know. Look, they. We all know the Frankie situation, and, and we all know we got time to talk about that. And they decided it's best to keep him. I, I guess I would have one question right now. Like, if they don't spend 10 or 15 more million dollars between now and March, and they still could because there's guys out there. I mean, baseball free agency Absolutely. isn't like the other ones, right? 
I mean, is this is this cloud that is Twitter and radio created? But that's the only place seeing it exists right now because baseball is not going. Right. Is it going right. to follow, in your opinion, everything that goes on when the season actually starts? Uh, no, because and that it's a good question. I'm thinking as I'm, I'm, I'm and you know me. I usually just blur it out. Um, because you just said the main thing. Most of the quote unquote, and I'm putting air quotes up. Most of the controversies are built upon a bunch of people that don't have a lot of information. Like you said on Twitter and radio. Um, most of those people. I mean, let's be honest. The Indians are third, or the, or the, or they're the stepchild in this city. They're not talked about like the other teams. This isn't crazy. This is the truth. Um, most radio stations don't talk baseball unless it's to bitch and moan about the about baseball. Um, it's, it is what it, no. Everybody bitches about the Indians every off season. Every off this is, and, and, and there's and there's a ten percent of people of, of, on Twitter. Same thing. They're the same folks that, that go back and forth on it. So you know, look, I love baseball. I I don't love everything about how baseball is and how it's run. But no, I say by March 26th when it's snowing out and getting game one of 182 or 62 starts it gets canceled. Um, <laughs> yeah. You'll have you'll have fifty that you have forty thousand people pissed because the game got canceled because of snow, and everybody will be bitching about who would make a schedule to start on March 26th for a game that's played outside. Um, and then we'll all agree upon that. Um, the only concern I would have off of your question is this: if they don't spend more money and they get off to a slow start, um, and, and like they do every year, and we go into June and they're in second or third place, does that open up the coffers to trade Frankie this year? I hope not. Um, that's the only concern I have with all of this, because the thing that's bigger than all of this, and I think the great thing is uh, in this conversation is the players don't give a right. The players aren't probably overly, overly thrilled um, that they haven't had a ton of other guys coming in, but the players have enough confidence and arrogance to themselves um, that they can win. And I think that's what carries this thing no matter what. They go out and win 80. They don't win 90 games like they have the last four or five seasons. Most of the conversations that have been had already this year um, or this month really don't carry a lot of weight, do they? You know, if they run off 10 games in a row and they're, and they're the top of the AL Central, yeah, and look, there are things that I don't like that I won't even mention because most people don't even know them yet. Um, but if the pitching staff is as good as they think it is, if Frankie's still Frankie, um, if Jose's Jose, and a couple of the younger players they expect to, to, to grow up, grow up, they're probably very close to the same team they've been the last three years. Here's the one opinion that I'll give, and this is strictly opinion, and, I, and, I, and then I can be done with this whole conversation. I don't know this for fact. I don't have dinner with the Dolans every night. I don't have dinner with the Indians, people that make decisions every day and night. But being around them and knowing them and knowing a lot of people in the organization, in my opinion, I think the Dolans did what they said they would always do when they said they were going to be better. They said they would go out and spend money when the team was ready to, to contend. The team was just contended. They spent money, and their attendance numbers never went up. Um, they still were cast by by the, the you know the ten percent that want to bitch and moan as bad people, as cheap, as all those other things that people want to throw out there. I don't know about you, Zach. I don't know about the average person listening, but after hearing that shit for so long and not having people show up when they went out and did their part. And, and, and this goes two, twofold. 
I ain't going to tell a billionaire how to spend their money, and I ain't going to tell a guy that makes the $40,000 a year how to, bid, how to spend their money. We all have the right to spend our money however the heck we please, and nobody should be, pimp- should be you know, punching you in the chest or pointing, you at, pointing at you at the chest about how you should spend your money. But I will say that they were, they were, they were a man of their words when they had a chance. They went out and got Edwin. They went out and, and got Andrew Miller. They did a lot of shit um, that was out of character for them. And I know that some in the organization will never get over the fact that attendance numbers never changed. Um, now, if you want to be mad about that, you want to take that personal, that I just think is the standing of where the Indians are right now. Their frustration is that they said they would go out and spend money when the opportunity arose that they should. They did. Nobody showed up. Um, and now they've lost, you know, they lost an owner, a part owner that was putting millions of dollars. In. So and what you're telling you me where, is from and that leads you to where we're at. Yeah, so from where I sit, this is just going to be absolutely miserable following from the outside and listening to the same bitching over and over. Right, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, you think awesome. I, would, I mean, I, I, like I told somebody the other day, you guys can bitch and moan all you want. Our jo- you know, I have a job. We got like, there's, there's three or four or five of us that have a job of, we got to talk, this is our job, we got to talk about the team. And nobody, nobody's going to give a shit. When you go into Detroit or Chicago or, or Toronto or wherever else, Nobody gives a shit about what your owner is willing to give and not give. The players don't care. When the game starts, nobody gives a shit how much money anybody's making. So let's hope they continue to make the right decisions, and they got players that can compete. If they do that, then the people that bitch will find something else to bitch about. Then they'll, you know, they'll bitch about uniforms or hats or Chief Wahoo or, I mean, people that bitch bitch. You know, it's funny. I'll put it this way: Um, when we just went to Jamaica, the, the resort we were on. Like between my dad and sister and our buddies, you know, everybody goes to, you know, not Craigslist, but you go to all the, you know, you, you read all the comments about wherever you're going, whether it's a restaurant, right. you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a resort. And the one conclusion I've come to out, out of my years of, of, of going to those and reading those, some people just like to bitch. You get the best meal in the world and somebody will bitch about the forks or bitch about the, the cups that the water came in. And some people will go to those and go to those reports, and they're just happy to be happy. It's the, the world that we live in, you know. You know, it's, it, so I'm not bent one way or the other. I hope the Indians win 90 games. Um, it won't quiet everyone down, but it'll make my job easier, and it'll make a lot of people. That, hey, look, we have we both have older generational people in our family that love baseball no matter what, and baseball gets them through the summer, right? Yeah. Those are people that I. Those are people I hope that can enjoy. There's kids all around Northeast Ohio that can't wait, you know, for baseball. And the people that bitch, you know, they'll come to their two. They'll come to their ten games, and I'll watch all 150 of them or so on TV, and that'll be good for ratings and good for me. So, Kanichiwa, we appreciate you. <laughs> um, you know, we move on. Yeah. So um, it's January 23rd. The Browns don't have a GM. <laughs> um, they have hired a coach. Let's start there. Um, you know, it's hard to get excited one way or the other about the coach, right? And I think just because of how this has gone, and we know, as we've been saying for years, it's it's cultural. It starts at the top, um, since this podcast is apparently going to talk into ownership. <laughs> um, right. I think people got excited about Josh McDaniels because he's the most recognizable name in the group. You know, I mean, he had the strongest resume of the group, not even close. He was not a fit here. Um, And that's probably because ownership has let Paul DePodesta 
take charge here. Um, there was a lot of angry fallout from the Josh McDaniels getting it. A lot of stuff you heard that pretty much quite obviously came either directly from or indirectly from McDaniels camp and people that knew him. And to an extent, I understand that because he had to be thinking, why even interview me if you knew you were going with this guy? Why, why go through the dance? Right. right? Sure. <laughs> um, so two weeks after the hiring and Stefanski's team was playing in the playoffs, so, so they had to wait on that and they were fine waiting on that. I mean, let's be honest, they've known since Thanksgiving they were firing Freddie Kitchens. Um, they don't have a general manager. Three have interviewed. Um, George Payton is the latest to drop out. We don't have a status update on the other two. And, you know, I thought I had official? pretty good information. I'm not, I'm not being a, a smart ass. Is the Payton thing official? Yes. As we, were, as okay. we started this podcast, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, that's, funny. that's funny to me. Yeah, so I thought I had pretty good information that it was Andrew Barry's job to turn down. That still may be good information. Maybe he didn't want it. I don't know. We just He interviewed over a week ago now as we sit here and record this, and then another guy interviewed twice and didn't take it. So maybe Andrew Barry will come back and he'll be the GM in two days. I don't believe that he was in Mobile, um, so I don't know. But I did talk to people in Mobile who knew George Payton directly and indirectly. Um Two of them specifically were surprised that he went as far down the road with he as he did. They said he's a well-respected guy who has wanted to be a GM and has had opportunities, but turned them down or turned down pursuing them further because he didn't feel like it was right because he feels like he has a good job and a good organization. Now, the flip side of that, and, and this is kind of what we can say for Stefanski, too, at this point, is that they said if he does come, it's because he, he finally he trusts that they're doing right. But guys, like, this is the thing with the Haslam's at this point. If they're firing everybody every two years, and you are an established, respected person in this game, and you've made your money, and you have your resume and your reputation, why would you uproot everything to come here thinking you're on a two-year timeline or a one-year timeline, thinking that you're actually going to have the power, the patience, the support, the people behind you to do this because it's not going to be easy. It's not easy. That's been proven. Things are going to go wrong. It's not going to be a straight line. I could keep spitting out cliches. The Cleveland Browns are going to be the Cleveland Browns. And eventually someone's going to have to change it. And maybe this, this shift to where deep dust takes power, you get the right alignment and you do this and maybe this will be the one, right? Um, Cause th- there are, there is some talent here, but I understand with all of these guys, because, Dre, until you see it, how in the world could you believe it and how could you not completely understand how a person with a certain level of accomplishment in a family would be hesitant to, to uproot all that and come here? I wouldn't move my family here for, for that organization currently. I mean, we had, we had a running joke on our text messages, like, what are you doing, negotiating extra? Is there a number? Like, and I know how my wife is, and I know what dealing with, dealing with my wife is. I ain't leaving. I, for me to leave, it's going to, have to be a pretty damn good situation, and not just financially. Um, because, like you said, most of these guys have already, if they're at this point that they're up for a general manager's job, they probably are pretty well off and probably in a pretty good situation. And the further we get along into the NFL offseason, and I know it hasn't started yet, and it won't start until the Super Bowl, but in a lot of ways, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of lines have already been set up for who's going to go where and who's going to work for who, right? Not just in coaching, but in front offices as well. 
to me, this is another black eye upon the Haslam family. And I know no one likes it. This is going to be the podcast where everybody's going to bitch at me on Twitter. And I don't really care because I, I, I don't go on Twitter enough to give a shit right now. Um, it's, this isn't good. This is another, this is another sign of what's not that happened in the past. And, and look, I think, I don't know how Kevin Stefanski will coach. He said all the right things in the, in the bits and pieces of press conferences that I listened to. Um, he got no choice. He agreed to come here. Of course he will. Sure. He's good looking. Um, saw your t-shirts and how good he looks before you guys try to run him out of town with the same shit. But I will say this. I thought Jason Lloyd had a great read about, and I still don't have the answer. So I'm going to have to yell to Lloyd, give me an answer. How in the world has there been, like, all these jobs, coaching jobs, open the last two years and only one team has interviewed Kevin Stefanski? Well, yeah, so you, you're, you can read that as the Browns are smarter than everybody again, right, which is a vibe they've put out before, and it's ended in 1-31, and 31, right? right? Um, now, let's be right. fair. Kevin Stefanski deserves a benefit of the doubt. The Browns organization does not. We're tired. But he's a part of the Browns. Sure, right. But, you're right. But he's a part of the Browns organization. Well, we're tired of judging press conferences. We know winning press conferences doesn't mean shit. We know getting excited about names leaking for coaches on the staff doesn't mean shit. Right? I mean, we, we've, we've done this dance right. before. Right. Right? Um, he has been impressive. He, he does come off as a smart guy. I just I can't sit here and tell you that he has a real chance to win. And part of that is filling out his staff. And part of that is getting a GM and not just talking about this magical alignment like it's the magical elixir, but actually getting it and saying we want these players. This is how we're going to establish our, our culture because what you permit is what you promote, and these are the guys that we want around. Um, you know, Andrew Barry might take this job in six hours after we record this podcast, right, and go forward, or someone else might might be willing here. The fact is, you've waited all this time, and you know you're not going to have your D coordinator in the building for another week, which means you're not going to have your defensive staff for another week plus. Like you've got to make all these decisions on guys you have that are owed money that's maybe not guaranteed, or maybe only a little of it's guaranteed. Right. You got to right. make decisions on. In our defensive scheme, can we have a 225-pound inside linebacker? You know, I mean, that's – I don't care which side of the show rewards you're on. The guy plays 99% of the snaps and calls the signals. It's tough and reliable as hell and is exactly the guy you want representing your organization, right? So how many holes but can you create? Who I want represent me, is that who I want representing me on third and four, third and three, though? Well, no, like I said, this is not the time for that debate, but you have to look at it, right? You know, absolutely. You know, um, you, <laughs> and, and I have no doubt that Kevin Stefanski went to the Bakers, to the OBJs, to the Landrys first, right, and said, you know, when the time is right, let's let's get on the same page. Let's talk about things. I, you need those guys, right? Those are your out front right. guys. Those can be your problem children, but your best players have to play. We, we've said this about Eric Mangini for a decade, right? He was so concerned with coaching the bottom of the roster and was not cut out to coach the top of the roster, right? No. Like, it's just no. what it was. So, I mean, the quarterback's entering, like, a crucial, crucial year. Um, about him, here's what someone told me in, in, in Mobile as, as we kind of talked to Kevin Stefanski in this whole overall thing. Because everybody's kind of like, well, I, 
you know, good for him. He's he's got a good reputation. Does he have any chance? I don't know. You know, <laughs> when you look from a Cleveland perspective at Baker's rookie year, it was phenomenal. And I know he tied the rookie record for touchdowns. So if you take a step back from that and say, okay, well, he beat up some bad teams and, you know, he was just a rookie. They, they didn't make the playoffs. Like, it was good. It was not phenomenal. And then if you take last year and you say, okay, it was really bad in stretches. It was, it was okay in others. The thing was a mess. The coaching was a mess. The play calling was a mess. The team couldn't even get out of the huddle. Like, who could succeed in that? Specifically a young player who needs reps, who needs coaching, who needs to get better. When you meet in the middle – as we've been saying on A to Z for like 20 fucking years now about the Browns, right? The truth is always in the middle. Then you have a quarterback who's going into his third year who needs to get better but has a chance to get better, right? So, like, it's not one way or the other, but this the organization is just, guys, it's just, it's been the same. It, it, it's, it's two decades of complete embarrassment of being the laughing stock. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they might hire the right GM and they might do this, but... I'm really, really, really worried that people aren't taking this job because they think Paul DePodesta is running the show and they won't have the right power. And I'm really, really, really worried that Paul DePodesta running the show will not allow them to go get the best players, either in free agency or in the draft. And as we know, you got to have the best players. And I'm really, really, really worried that Kevin Stefanski could be an awesome coach for a team that, that runs a power offense and wants to be disciplined and establish its will and do all the things that the 2019 Browns didn't. And in this culture with this owner, he might not have a chance because I'm not sure how this team at this point goes better than six and 10 next year. So I don't know. It's kind of like the Indians discussion. What the hell else is there to say? Right. History says they're five and 11, six and 10 and they they start the next year cold. They start over again. That's not me being negative either. It's just the God honest truth. And when you bring up Stefanski, he may be, and I said this before the hiring, and I'm going to continue saying this, and I hope it gets through people's heads. I don't care if he's the most brilliant coach of all time. And he may be, he may not be. If he doesn't bring leadership in some sort, whether it be on a practice field, whether it be in the, in the, in the classroom, whether it be in the board meetings amongst everybody else, it won't matter. Because here's the deal. He was the leader of the Minnesota Vikings offense last year. Yes, no. I'm pretty sure that's correct. By title, yeah. Um, By title. Yeah. And to me, and I don't know why this story has, no one's dug into this more, he almost, he had one of his best players on offense walk out of his, walk out and stop practicing last year. And then he started throwing the ball. If that happens to Stephon Diggs, how in the world can he control or how the guys he has right now? I think it's a fair question. Because his offense did change, and the offense ended up working. But let's be honest, that offense worked best when their running back from Florida State has been healthy. That's been the difference for me in Minnesota, and I've watched them kind of closely, closely the last two years. When they had their running back, and look, and you can and you can you can mesh that up and take my words and make this work and say, well, the Browns have a running back. And you're absolutely right. But can he deal with the the wrath of the other guys if they're still here? Because it didn't work out real well in Minnesota. Now the season ended up working out. The one guy ended up popping his hamstring, so Diggs got all the balls he wanted. But how is that going to be dealt with here when it didn't get dealt with perfectly in Minnesota? Well, in a way, like that's every team. This that we talked about. This is 2020, right? Like this is what these guys do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
every team didn't have a player just leave practice, go home and go from, go home from practice. <laughs> That's not everywhere. Stephon Diggs went home. Diggs went home and didn't practice for a couple of days and went to the media, basically called out his quarterback. Doesn't that sound familiar? So, yeah, it happens with guys like Hollywood Higgins. <laughs> but it doesn't happen everywhere. Yes, guys, bitch. But you don't have guys just not go to practice, just leave, <laughs> other than here in Minnesota. That's all I'm saying. It's just like you bring up that name and it's just like the truth is in the middle, right? Like everybody that ever told me right. Hollywood Higgins was great, like I want you to go away. Yet Hollywood yeah. Higgins did know how to get open and catch the ball at bare minimum, right? And then, you know, they couldn't get him in. Or Although I guess, like he refused to go in a game. So how do you play a guy like after right. that? You know? Right. <laughs> and I, but I would hear people stand up for him still. It's like the dude got told to go in the game and he didn't go in and you guys are pissed. Like, like, you can't do that. That's disrespecting the coach. And that's why I go back to Stefanski. And look, I'm not calling him out for the digs. I am, but I'm not. Because you're right. This is the league. But my point is, Stefan Diggs just didn't show up one day and say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going home. They let that situation get out of hand in Minnesota. And if you couldn't handle that in Minnesota, how are you going to deal with, we know the names, we know the people. If you couldn't, not, not, because like, and, and in football, and guys that played, and guys that cover, you guys know this. Look, the head coach, we put a lot of pressure upon the head coach, and everything is his fault. But usually, the 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 you know the position coach, the coordinator, he's got a pretty good idea who's pissed off and not happy, right? You know what I mean? Like, like they usually have a pretty good idea before yeah. even the head coach. All I'm saying is that I'm not putting this all on Stefanski. I don't know all about the situation. I just know from from the outside looking in, a guy taking over a team with guys like Odell and guys like Landry and guys like Baker and Kareem Hunt, whatever his situation may be, and we'll touch on that. Bringing in a guy to lead you who just went through some situations where it didn't go real well in leading and try to keep everybody happy. Well, yeah, so, you know, this is all projecting. Um, One way to look at the Browns is to say, if he can command the room, and if he can just – Run an efficient offense. Nothing special, right? Play to win the game. Play smart. Get lined up. Don't take five 15-yard penalties a game. (laughs) That they can make a leap, right? And he can do that. And we've said for a long, long time, like, this shit is not supposed to be as hard as it seems, right? Get in and out of the huddle. Feed your running back. You know, the one thing we know about his offense is it, it was pretty buttoned up, pretty conservative, and he came out and said, one goal we're always going to have without getting giving away any strategy is we want the run plays to look like pass plays and the pass plays to look like run yep. plays, right? And, and I love that. And I thought- yeah, and, and when you look at the personnel that this team already has, if you can figure out, you know, the tackle spot and the tight end spot, then then all of a sudden that could be a real good offense. I mean, let's be honest. Kirk Cousins got $80 million for just being, you know, smart and not special. If right. Baker fixes a couple right. things, he could be as good as Kirk Cousins. You you could be down right. on Baker Don't and disagree. say he could be as good as Kirk Cousins, right? Right. <laughs> like I, I agree. I agree, but getting to that point, I, I mean, is, all right, here's the question. Is Kirk Cousins a top-ten quarterback? I don't think by – I don't think anyone would say that, no. Neither would I. Um, but I think it's a good place for Baker Mayfield to shoot for right now. Sure. Sure. <laughs> well, and that, that's the thing. Well, that's part of this this top ten, this top eight, this top six quarterback. Like, you know, there's one Patrick Mahomes, right? 
there's several other guys with with levels of accomplishment over a long time, and we'll see where guys like Brady, Rivers, and, and Breeze are in a year, right? Because they all could be out of gas. There's no guarantee even all three of them are back next year, right? The fact is it's about right. being that best quarterback that day. 21 interceptions is not going to get it done, right? <laughs> so, no. you no. know. Um, yeah, so like I said, we've come to the point where there's only so much we can say. I, I, yeah, I, well, we all knew Freddie Kitchens was getting fired. We didn't know the thing was getting totally blown up. And I can easily make the case for why John Dorsey, why they didn't think it was going to work with Dorsey, and why you make it. But I've always said, what's the plan? What's next? When do we stick with something? And here we're in the end of freaking January. The Super Bowl's in a week, <laughs> and you have the head coach, and you don't have the GM. Right? You have the first-time head coach who may or may not call the plays. He's got like three staff members officially hired, and you don't have the GM when you have to make all these decisions. And so many of these decisions are based upon scheme and what kind of team you want to be. Yeah, it's not it's not the best way to get off to a good start. No. That's all I'll say. And it's not. And that's not being negative. It's just a God on his truth, guys. In the NFL, you need to have all your ducks in a row. A lot of teams don't make decisions or base decisions off of moving people or getting rid unless they have the people they want to replace them with. And very much like the coaching search when Mike Pettin became the head coach, the GM search is going that way. And the GM, to me, is just as important, if not as important. You talked about it, and I cringed my face when you said it. It doesn't mean I, I disagree wholeheartedly, but I don't agree wholeheartedly. But you just said you got to have talent. Talent is very important. And there's no doubt you're right when you say that. Um, John Dorsey proved that point, and then he, and then he didn't prove that point because he made, he made talent the one and only thing that mattered to him. Yeah, and that just and and that for certain for you know what though this team was so barren of talent that that worked. They needed talent so freaking bad that that worked. But all the other stuff that needed to come along with being a great GM and and and, and we still are saying the same words. Who are they? What do they stand for? What is their identity? Uh, they don't have any of that stuff, and that's why when you just brought in a bunch of talent, it all went to hell. Hoopty hell, if you want to put it in the, in the yeah. Freddy's in the Freddy's terms. Um, but I still cringe at because I still hear people on the radio and I still hear fans and I still hear, you know, random people saying to me randomly at different times, well, we're, they're, they're talented. They can still win 12, 13 games. And I cringe <laughs> and, and, and I cringe. Well, you're laughing. And there's reports that that's what, what people inside Berea are telling coaches. Yeah. Yeah. The, the most alarming thing to come out of all the coaching search things, guys. And like I said, even, even if you think that 50% of the McDaniels related leaks are true, and that's probably a, a fair, fairly low number. That's accurate, fair. Then, then yeah. it's it's portrayed this organization as the mess that we all know it to be, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if the internal thought is that they're starting with a team that's real, real close to to being the team that can play yeah, last problem. weekend, that can that can chase down the Ravens and the Steelers, then you got big, big problems, right? Um, I big problems and. You know, why you need a GM in here and why this is such an important offseason. Um, you know, obviously, other than the natural change that you go through every single year when you change schemes and change guys that pick the players, is that we're sitting on the cusp of extensions for your stud running back, your stud defensive end, uh, hopefully your stud corner, and specifically your quarterback over the next six to 12 to 18 months, right? And in, in trying to get a core to the next level. Like, you're hoping to only have one chance to draft a left tackle that's going to be your left tackle for five years, right? And 
right. You know, you need to get that right. You, the alignment with that has to be that the offensive line coach, the offensive coordinator, the head coach, the GM, and the two guys under the GM all want that guy, right? Because he has to fit. Well, how do you? Well, how do, <laughs> but how do you start looking for that guy at the senior bowl when you don't even know who's going to draft the goddamn players? Yeah, no, no, that guy is probably not there. But if you're going <laughs> to trade down, I mean, yeah. I mean, but I'm not saying it towards you. I'm no, no, I know, I know. This podcast, I know, Dre, and I, I feel like I've saying. said this. Like, here's the thing: it's not a huge deal, and it's it really that they're not a, that the GM's not at the senior bowl. It's not because you're interviewing guys, you're getting the work done. If you've been doing the scouting, and God knows they have 25 scouts, um, then you've, you've seen the guys, right? It's just that when I when Bill Belichick's there and Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert are walking the sidelines and John Lynch, whose team is playing in the fucking Super Bowl, is right on top of the full-speed drill on the second day of practice in Mobile, Alabama, that tells me there's value. Guys are there for a reason. They're not there to hang out. John Lynch didn't come so everybody can tell him great season, right? He came so he can be ready for the draft so they can try to build a dynasty. Right, exactly, exactly. But you're and you're making you're making my point though. That's the point. <laughs> there is a reason why every other team has a general manager. There is a reason, like learning on the fly. Okay, you're right. They got 80 million scouts. Well, whoever is the GM, if it's Andrew Barry, at least there's some familiar. Oh, I got, I'm sorry, some alignment with the yes. thought process they're going through because somebody had to be here since then, right? But like. like San Francisco is preparing this week for the biggest game of, of the of the franchise's history in the last what ten you know fifteen years whatever, right? But there are a section of scouts and there are a section of people that work under John Lynch that are already prog- pro- going through the process of how they want to lo- who they want to look at in in March, in April, who they're going to talk to when they get to the combine in February, February, right. and and what direction they want to go in to continue drafting the type of players that they like to draft, correct? Right. Because staying the there is harder than getting there, and one it's been real hard for the Browns to get there. I mean, guys. Yeah. So what is the so what's the conversations in Berea like though right now? Or like you just talked about it, John Tomlin, Tomlin and Belichick are there. So Belichick already probably has about a list of forty guys that he really, really wants to have his his top guys look at over the next two months or month and a half before they get to the combine, right? Yeah. Same with Tomlin. Tomlin's going, hey. We need whatever they may need. I'm not here. You know, they, they may need a corner, whatever. What are they doing in Berea? It's nothing like that right now. Yeah. So, once again, you're behind the eight ball, and you're doing it with uh, – and this is another against Kevin Stefanski. But this goes back to they have no fucking idea what they're doing. It's a joke what they've done and how much money they keep taking out of people's pockets. And you guys are believing that an 11 or 12 win team is right on the cusp. It ain't happening, Captain. We can enjoy it. We can buy the T-shirts. We can buy the tickets. They ain't that close. So, because everybody else in the NFL is going 125 miles an hour towards their goal. The Browns are putting along in a pencil going 25, hoping they don't got to replace them up for all yet. <laughs> no, Chuck! <laughs> yeah, dog check that. <laughs> um, it's, I, I'm not trying to be negative. I know. Though, listen, Andre, I feel like positive spin you, you know, putting out there. Like, there's so many other things that's sitting here in the last week of January we could or should be talking about, right? We've had no fun on For this sure. fucking podcast. It's been miserable. I Just, know. You know. <laughs> well, wait, wait, before we before we try to have fun, um, the Kareem Hunt situation quickly. Um, shout out to Will Burge. 
Because <laughs> Lord knows he breaks stories like nobody else. <laughs> um, it's not a laughing matter. Because the cream hunts past everything that happens upon it. And as we're doing this podcast, I'm watching a guy walk out with his son, and the guy has a dog pound sweatshirt on, a brown beanie cap, and the kid's got a dog pound sweatshirt on, too. God bless that kid. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal what happened with Kareem over the last 24 hours. Um, but because it's Kareem Hunt and because cops are involved and because marijuana may have been in the car, um, it's a story. But he didn't get popped with it. I, I'm just going off what I've heard so far. Um, it's not a good thing when your name's Kareem Hunt to have your name, but it seems like it's just a, a speeding ticket. I think you may. I, I, I saw Rod trying to trying to play judge and jury this morning on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, God, please, please stop with all that, you guys. I I know it's him, and I know it makes a big deal because of him. To me, right now, Zach, at this moment at four sixteen on Friday, um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I don't think it's the best. No, I mean start you, of the season for him. Right. Well, when you're him and you, you're involved in something, you know the NFL personal conduct policy, which we know is kind of made up as it goes can come into play right um and it's just but it's it's just the whole vibe of the whole thing it's just one more story about the browns and it's like it's just been that month right and they're not even freaking playing right. of course um, <laughs> i gotta go in a couple minutes but i want to share this randy Lerner owned the browns from october 2002 until october 2012 so as soon as he took over is when they snuck into playoffs for the only time. They had one more winning season, which, as you guys know, was 13 years ago. And then they went into a tailspin, which led to him selling the team the very day he was allowed to sell the team by agreement he made with his father. Right? <laughs> the Browns would need to go 22-10 and 10 over the next two years for the Haslam era Browns to match the record that the Randy Lerner owned Browns had. Oh, they're well on their way. <laughs> <laughs> the Randy Lerner owned Brown. Just let me say that again. Wow. They would need to wow. go 22 and 10 the next two seasons. Wow. 11, averaging 11 and 5. 11 and 5. The 5 and 11 remix. That's, that would be a remix. That would be a fucking remix. That would be a remix. Yes, it would. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So, amazing, amazing. amazing. I, I mentioned a name at the beginning of the podcast, and, and I, I really only have four minutes, Dre. i got to get out the door here. Um, you're going to go Tuesday night when Zion comes to town. And yes, I am. I, I'm interested. I, obviously, he's that kind of guy. I mean, you know, there were concerns with drafting him, um, and, and there are concerns over his long-term career, even without this injury that kept him out for the first three months of his first NBA season because of his body type, right? But he was right, so right. incredible last year that, to me, the Pelicans, once they got that number one pick, there was never a chance they could take anyone else, right? Because we know the landscape, specifically of the NBA, but of sports in 2020, and he's this transcendent star, has a chance to be, right? So I am interested right. to know the feel in that arena on Tuesday night, if it's like it was, not just in, in obviously, the big, the big LeBron-driven moments, but going all the way back yeah. when you just know when when you just know everybody's there to see one guy and that guy emerges. You know, oh, yeah. I'm interested oh, for yeah. you to talk about. I'm that looking one. forward to that Tuesday night. Yeah, for I'm sure. looking forward to that. Um, and look, we're still fans, and I have my questions about if this kid can be legit. But I'll be honest, I had a fan moment 
the other night. When he went off, I, you know, I was, you know, yeah. sitting in, in Jamaica, <laughs> and I see everybody talk. And I had read, and I won't say no names, but like many other people, we had friends that were texting us. He was a bust. He ain't LeBron. He ain't this. And on and on and on. And I hadn't watched anything. I had forgotten it was even on Wednesday night. But I had it on when he was in there, and he went off for 17 points in, a, in 90 seconds. And I sat there, and I was mesmerized, and I became a fan again. And you start seeing him making that terrible flat jump shot of his that looks like uh, he got – he got. <laughs> I was going to put down your brother, but he's winning games, so I'm going to leave your brother alone. <laughs> um, there's, there's something about what he brings in the, in the atmosphere when he got going. Um, if they didn't have the restricted minutes, it would have been the greatest last four minutes of an NBA game um, since the playoffs last year. And to be honest, with as great as Luka's playing in Dallas, and Luka is a beast, and he's fun, and he's young, and he's going to be the face of the NBA. Um, to truly be the face of the NBA, don't you need somebody else to drive him to be there? And I think this kid has he has the charisma, and he has the great old word that we love to use and can't describe. He has it. Um, I don't know if his body – it looks like he's dragging that leg already. It could just be his Detroit pimp walk. I don't know. Um, but it looks like the leg is dragging. But I can tell you what. When he went, and I know he's only six four, six five, but he went and jumped over a seven footer for a, a rebound, um, and he just brings an energy to his team. And that team actually is playing pretty decent right now before they even got him back. So I'm looking forward to Tuesday big time, Zach, yeah. for a couple of reasons, um, because there's going to be a buzz in the building. I think that's the word you're looking for. Yeah, there's going to be a natural buzz in the well, building. Well, th- there's a difference between yeah. The reason I ask is is because there's a difference between a buzz in the building because it's a big game or because people actually come to a Cavs game, right. and then that oh boy, you know when you see that guy that's different than the others because yeah. they're all they're all well all the Cavs guys are six foot one guards, but you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen, like uh... I, I, I've been fascinated. So when I was in Mobile, you know the, the Pelicans are the local NBA team. New Orleans is about two hours away, right? right. And right. you know. I, I had heard the stuff, but to to have to hear in depth about them teaching, reteaching him how to run and walk, you know, right, to keep his right. body like that's fascinating stuff, right? And and it's only right. a couple of months in, so yeah, it's going to be interesting um, to see how that goes. Did you Guys, see him going up and down, did you see him going up and down the court Wednesday night? Nah, I barely like saw any. I didn't it. see the beginning. Yeah, all right. It looked like he was dragging that leg up the court. Now maybe that's his walk. Like I said, maybe he's got one of them pimp walks that he's going to have. But it didn't look good. But that, that's just me. I mean, hey, let's remember this as we walk away. I'll never forget when LeBron James was 18 years old. There were a, a scout, a scout, a couple scouts. We're all sitting around talking. This is how, and before he came into the NBA. And they were worried because they had never seen a great athlete with a pigeon-toed walk like LeBron. Yeah, he had duck feet when and he they were worried that, Yeah, Yeah, he had duck feet. And they were worried that was going to lead to injuries and him not being as explosive as everybody thought. Yeah. Those are scout those are big time scouts, scouts that know what they were talking about. Right. So when I sit here and I question whether Zion's walking right or whether his knees can hold up his body, we can all throw that stuff out there. Just remember, there are scouts that still get paid to scout that know what they're doing that were worried LeBron James would be injury prone and not the athlete that he is because he walked the way he yeah. walked. All right, guys, hey, thanks for listening. Um we will play some American Fireworks Glory Days. We'll get into some other stuff. Um, you know, here's my answer. Does George Payton just not trust the Browns? Does he think that, that Deep Dust is truly going to have the power? Or does he just not want anything to do with it? I don't know. I don't know that answer. We'll see what happens. We'll talk about well, it. Um, here's my question. Hey, I'll make it quick. If you question whether someone's taking that Browns GM job, look in the mirror, and if you're married or you have kids and have a family, 
ask yourself, would you take the job? <laughs> That's one way to say it. <laughs> it is. To see Tony Moon Girl to American <laughs> Fireworks, thank you as always. Thanks to you guys. When we when we went away for a week, we appreciate the tweets and the messages. Uh, so we appreciate you listening, and we're looking forward to getting back in the groove. I have some Senior Bowl stories and some other stuff. I just, you know, this is what's out there, and maybe eventually we'll get to talk about the Browns in a different manner, but uh, I don't know when that will be. So, konnichiwa, and thank you for listening. Konnichiwa, Pro Bowl. 